place with me tonight. Somebody love on the Lord right now. God wanting to do something wonderful in your life tonight. God wanting to do something special for you tonight. We love you, Father. God, we love you tonight. We magnify the name set above every other. At the name of Jesus, we choose to be in this sanctuary. At the name of Jesus, we choose to lift our voice unto you in one accord, acknowledging you as our Savior, our Lord, our God, our Christ. I love you tonight, Jesus. I love you tonight, Father. I bow before the presence of the King. I thank you for this privilege of being in your house, for your blessings of love that's upon this congregation, for your joy, for your peace, for your strength, for your encouragement, for all the things you do daily, Lord God, in our life. I give praise and worship and honor and glory to the King tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you tonight, Jesus. Amen. What a beautiful day the Lord has made, giving you and I an opportunity to be in the house of the Lord on this absolutely wonderful Sunday afternoon. Amen. Why don't we do this before we're seated tonight? Sister Howerton said she... Just wasn't feeling well, but as a trooper, she's still in the house of the Lord, not feeling well tonight. So would you just extend your hand toward her, one toward heaven? Let's pray for Sister Howerton right now that God just deliver her in the name of Jesus. God, you're in the healing business. It's with your stripes. God, you paid a tremendous price for our healing and our deliverance. And I plead the blood of Jesus, God, tonight that your blessings, your anointing, your healing be upon Sister Howerton as she's made her way into the house of the Lord. I'm warning you, Lord God, help her be able to enjoy this service without sickness, without pain. In the name of Jesus, we give praise and worship unto you. Amen. Amen. How many has ever heard that saying where, where the Lord is blessing, the devil is messing? Me and you, we've heard that. I've got good news for you that are being blessed of the Lord. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. We can rejoice in the blessings of the Lord without fear of what the enemy might do. Amen. God is good to us every single day. God's good to us. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you, praise team, leading us in worship. There was, a, there was someone that gave me a, it's been years ago, but it was a cassette tape. So that tells you how long it has been that they still had cassette tapes. It was of a young man by the name of Joseph, and I don't remember his last name. It was his, he was an apostolic preacher, maybe an evangelist. I'm not sure what his calling was. But it was a testimony of his life. He was a Catholic, grew up in a Catholic area. He said he grew up in, in the Chicago area, and he said there was little pockets, little burrows, if you will, uh, where the Irish lived and the Catholics lived and all these things. And he said he thought as he was growing up, everybody was Catholic. But it goes through a story of how that someone introduced him to the reading of the Word of God. And his heart was so hungry for God. 
He said he began to read the Bible, and he read it from Genesis to Revelation. He read cover to cover, and he was just absorbing everything in there that he was reading. And he came across Scripture. Think about this. He came across Scripture talking about the Holy Ghost. And he said he got so hungry for the baptism of the Holy Ghost to find more about this. He said he was going just searching, just talking to people. And he said one day he went to a park and probably in the 70s or so, and he said there was a group of probably college students sitting there and they were playing their songs and singing, singing and playing music. And he sat down with them for a Bible study. And he said he got up and he began to leave and he was walking across the park and he said it felt like a bolt of lightning hit him. And it shook him. And what it was, he said there was a young man, by just a young man, not a, probably in his teenage years, maybe early 20s, laid his hand on him to tell him to get his attention. And he asked him, do you want to go to church with me? And he felt something just in that young man's touch on his back that he'd never felt before. And he said that he went into that church. It was an apostolic church. He said he sat down in a Sunday school class with a, one of the ladies teaching the class. And he was so hungry for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he said he sat there and he listened. And as he was listening, he said in his mind, this church don't have the Holy Ghost. And he said the lady stopped the class and she said, somebody just said we don't have the Holy Ghost. And his eyes were opened. And he said he got the baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins and he said he did not know how to get the Holy Ghost he said that he was doing anything and everything he could think of to get the Holy Ghost showing God trying to prove to God I'll do anything to get the Holy Ghost and he said he went out and it was raining and he, he, he was thinking in his, in his heart, I'm going to go out and stand in the rain to show God. I'll, I'll, I'll stand in the rain to get the Holy Ghost. And he said he was standing there in the rain, and he looked over there, and there was a gutter spout. And apparently the downspout was off, and he said it was just gushing out. And he said he thought in his mind, anybody can stand in the rain. God, I'll go stand under the spout. I want to show you I want the Holy Ghost. And he said he went over and stood under the spout just to prove to God, I'll do anything for the Holy Ghost. Long story made short, he was in his house one night and he said, I was saying hallelujah, hallelujah. And he said all of a sudden it came out hallelujah. And he said, no, that's not right. It's hallelujah. And it came out again hallelujah. And he said all of a sudden he couldn't control his tongue and he began to speak in another language, baptized with the Holy Ghost. The reason I'm telling you that story is because sometimes we get it in our mind that God wants us to suffer
in order to prove to him something. I was studying today for this service tonight and I came across the scripture in the book of Hosea and the book of Hosea we understand is a book that is kind of kind of different maybe just a little bit different than all the other books right God told the prophet to go do something and the prophets thinking what God are you am I am I somebody talk to me I'm not sure if I'm hearing myself or hearing God you want me to do what? He said, I want you to go marry that prostitute because this is the way I feel, right? This is the way I feel. This is the way I feel. If you would stand with me, I want to read tonight from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, just one word, one scripture. We greet you tonight. I greet you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you high honor. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on an absolutely great night to serve the Lord getting ready to celebrate the greatest event outside of creation right outside of creation of our of this earth and this heaven and 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 man is the opportunity for salvation the birth of our Savior getting ready to celebrate what a night to be in the house of the Lord Hosea chapter 6 verse 6 for I desired mercy not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings pray with me father we humble and we submit ourselves to the presence of an almighty God we acknowledge you as our help our strength our provider our way maker our strong tower you are truth you are light you are life God you're everything we need you to be I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over this congregation of people tonight God Open our minds to your word. Open our ears that we might hear. Let us receive a, thus saith the Lord. Grant me a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, the discerning of spirit, that I might be effective in ministering this word tonight, Lord God. As you anointed the mind of Solomon, anoint my mind tonight, anoint my mouth, anoint my mind, anoint my spirit. God, help me minister effectively to this congregation. We do love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You all may be seated. I want to minister to you for a little while tonight on a measurement of grace. Sacrifice. You know, we feel like that we're earning something, we're doing something. And I understand the Bible says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. I understand that in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, that was the first thing that we were the first place we read where God killed the innocent to cover the cover the nakedness of the guilty. We understand that that was a time that He sacrificed an animal to cover up the sin of man because even in Adam's attempt to cover his nakedness, he was it was not. Efficient. It was not enough. It was not sufficient for what God wanted, and he took the, the life of the innocent to cover the sin of man. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, this brief verse of Scripture gives us an insight into the heart and mind of God. 
If we look at this and get a revelation of this and get an understanding of this, this is something that is profound out of the Old Testament of the mind of God and what he desires. This one scripture has enough force packed into it to change our lives if we're willing to focus on this and begin to pray, God, let me see this and let me get an understanding and a revelation of this that I'm doing what you call me to do, that I'm doing what you're asking of me to do. God intended when he spoke these powerful words through the prophet Hosea to change the way people think and the way people live. If you will look at this, I want to tell you tonight, this is revelation truth. When I read across this, I've read the book of Hosea. I've read all the books of the prophets. And when I read across this, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Look at the way this begins. Just look at the way this verse begins. For I desired. And this is the almighty God speaking. And he's in the process of expressing what he wants, what he desires, what he really wants out of humans. Amen? What he's asking of all of us. I want to take you to the second portion of this. We're going to go back to the first on the mercy, but I want you to go just for briefly. And look, he said, For I desired the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So the Lord is making a bold declaration that there is something he values far more or far above animal sacrifices. We're talking Old Testament. Now we can pause for a moment and we can look at this and be reminded that the Lord was the one that instituted animal sacrifice through the Mosaic law. He established the animal sacrifice for the atonement or for the pushing forward of the sin issues of man. But he's also stopping here with, the, with Hosea and said, there is something I desire more than the sacrifice and that's knowledge. I desired the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. God is affirming that the sacrifices of animals is not the ultimate goal, neither of personal devotions nor of corporate worship. He's saying there is more to this than just simply offering a sacrifice as a ritual Amen. How often can man get into a routine? How often can man get into a ritual of offering a sacrifice? And often our mindset goes that God is wanting us to suffer a little bit so that we can prove to him. I'm telling you, endure hardship as a good soldier. And if, if suffering is part of the day, then suffer as a good soldier. Suffer with Christ. Learn to live with in, in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But at the same time, let's take a moment to pause and say, God, what are you really wanting out of my life? And what do you desire more than just the sacrifice? 
So the Almighty God flatly states that what he is really wanting is that human beings would come to a knowledge of God. I probably frustrate my wife from time... There is no probably. All right, all right, we'll drop that probably word. I sometimes frustrate my wife wanting to know things. I'll ask her, I said, do you know? She said, no, I don't know. I said, well, I, we, we need to find out. So I'll, I'll, I'll Google this. Hey, Google, right? I'm constantly looking up information. If I see something and I'm not sure about it, I'm looking it up. If I hear something I'm not sure about it, I'm looking it up. You know, today we could look at we could talk about any famous person. Just this week I was looking at the stats of Michael Jordan. How many shots that he missed and how many times that he missed a free throw and all the things that he missed and yet he was considered the if not the one of the greatest players to play, right? You know, we can look up Michael Jordan, we can look up his stats, we can look up his height, his weight, his value, what he made while he was playing in the NBA. We can look at his family, we can look at his children, we can look at when he was married, when he was born, where he played, what he did. We can look all this information up because it's at our fingertips. But here's the deal. I can look all these stats up, put it to memory, and tell you and quote it to you, but I still don't know Michael Jordan. Is that right? I still don't know Michael Jordan. So what it is, sometimes we get into our routine of reading because it's the right thing to do, and we get into the routine of memorizing Scripture because it's the right thing to do. But sometimes when we're reading and studying our Bible, could we step back for a moment and say, God, let me know you in this study. Not simply to know a Scripture, not simply to step back and say, I've read the book of Hosea, I've read the book of Matthew, I've read the book of Genesis through revelation. No, it's to step back and say, God, let me know you to get a revelation, to get an understanding. I believe in Jesus' name, the more we know about God, the more peace that we will live in, the more victory we will walk in. I believe the more we know about Jesus, building that relationship, just not a, a mental acknowledgement of him, but building that relationship with him. That's what he desires. And often people sat in church service, hear the stories, read the Bible, memorize the scripture, but doesn't necessarily have a knowledge of God. Amen? Fun facts with Jared. Somebody was giving me some of the fun facts with Jared today. We, we were able to go by and visit Malin, beautiful little baby. And someone told me that babies have two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of noise. Now, I haven't verified this, but this is what I was told. I, I will. Amen. But everything else is a learned fear. 
What have you learned to fear? When I was young, just a small boy, my sister Retha lived just at the top of our drive, and I wanted to stay with them. I'd go up there and hang out with them. But sometimes, not often, but I'd have to walk home by myself. Just a small, from maybe here to Gap Creek Baptist Church was a walk, and, and have to walk. And I was a little bit scared because I couldn't see. It was dark, right? Had one of the young men in our chapel service, and he, he told, I, I asked the question, and he said, well, now don't laugh at me, but I'm afraid of the dark. I wouldn't dare laugh at him because he's afraid of the dark. But I'm asking you tonight, what have you learned to fear? What brings concern, worry, or doubt? What, what disrupts your peace? Because I believe the more we know about God, the better we will be able to rest at night, face difficulties in our day, and go through life without fear. I believe that if we could get a revelation of perfect love, perfect love does what? Oh, you all know the scripture. It casts out fear. There is torment in fear, right? There's torment in fear. Let me give you a revelation. Jesus Christ was with the disciples on a boat and a storm came, right? Do you all, there's, there may be several of these stories, but do you all remember where he was in one of the ins, one of the situations where they were in the storm? Was he not in the bottom of the boat asleep? Oh, we got to get this in our spirit tonight because Jesus Christ was at peace in storms. And that's really where I'm wanting to get myself to is where I can be at peace in storms. And the more I know about my God and how he secures and keeps and he's able to keep that which is committed to him and he sees every day of my life numbered the hair on my head, how if I can get a knowledge of him, I can be at peace. The disciples went down probably shook him, said, Carest thou not that we perish? He certainly would not want them to perish. But he knew the storm was not going to allow them to perish. Now here's the understanding that I have. These were not novice. These were not weekend fishermen. These guys didn't have a Zebco 202 trying to catch a bluegill to make a living. These were commercial fishermen that was used to being on the water. They knew what storms would kill them. They knew what storms they could live in. This storm was raging to the point that commercial fishermen said, this is going to take us out, but yet Jesus was asleep in the boat. My daughter told, Ashley told one of her friends that she learned a lot of life lessons at drive through because every, I try to have a teaching moment. Anything that comes up that's out of the ordinary, I try to have a teaching moment for the girls. I try to tell them something. 
We're driving down the highway, and they said, how long do we get there? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell them how long. I'm going to give them how fast we're going, how many miles we got to go. You tell me how long it's going to take. You got to think about this stuff. I believe that was a teaching moment. Jesus Christ asleep in the boat, this is a teaching moment. You think we're going to die. And he woke up, and what did he do? He calmed the storm. You know what he didn't do? He didn't calm the storm for himself because Jesus didn't care. Jesus didn't care about the storm because the storm was not going to kill him because he had an appointment on Calvary's hill with the throne, or with, the, with, the, with the cross. He knew where he was going. He knew what his mission was. Remember this, the apostle Paul felt the unction of the Holy Ghost say, go to Rome, and all the people began to prophesy and tell him, you're going to go in shackles, you're going to go as a, as a prisoner, you're going to go to prison, please don't go, they're crying. And he said, why, why are you crying? You're breaking my heart with these tears. And he was ready to walk into Rome as a prisoner. He was ready to get on a ship as a prisoner. He was ready to be in bondage. He was ready to have shackles. Whatever he needed, it did not matter to him. He was calm in a storm. Jesus Christ sitting before Pilate. And in my mind, you picture him however you want to, but in my mind, he's sitting there with his legs crossed, and Pilate's asking him questions. And he's not even acknowledging Pilate's in the world. On that furiated. Pilate, because Pilate's a man of authority, you know that. Pilate wanted somebody begging his life. Pilate wanted somebody to acknowledge how great Pilate was and beg for your life. Tell me what you've done. Why? Give me a reason. Pilate didn't want to kill him, but he wanted him to give him. And it made him mad, Brother Mays, whenever Jesus would not answer him. And he said, do you not know? And I've mentioned this to you enough, but I just want to jar your mind how peaceful Jesus was in the midst of a storm. He's getting ready to die on a cross. He's getting ready to take stripes on his body for Sister Howardson's healing tonight. He's getting ready to be spit on. He's getting ready to be beat. He's getting ready to be whipped. He's getting ready for a crown of thorns. He's getting ready for them to cast lots. He's getting ready to be stripped naked. He's getting ready to be beat beyond recognition. But yet he's sitting there in peace because he knows his destiny. He knows who is in control. And he looks at Pilate and he said, You have no authority unless it's given to you. I'm talking about knowledge tonight, guy, uh, church. I'm talking about knowledge tonight. God's not afraid in your storm. I'm trying to get me and I'm trying to get you to where everything in, that goes bump in the night does not shake us. And this is a growing process. This isn't something that is acquired overnight maybe, but this is a growing process of standing in the presence of God and pleading, God, let me know you. Let me know you, God. Let me get a knowledge of you. And this is the will of God. For I desired the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Let's consider the first half of this. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice. 
God longs that we come truly to know Him. And when we get to know Him, God wills for us to understand mercy. Is God asking for mercy from us? We know that's silliness, even to think that. God does not need mercy for, from us, nor could we give God mercy. So what he is asking is for you, for me, to show mercy to fellow man. Think for a moment what we have just read in Hosea, that he desired mercy and not sacrifice. Notice Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. All right, he's giving us an understanding of how we are to walk among our brothers, among this world. Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. All right, verse 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Amen? This is the will of God for the church body that we walk in lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now he goes into something that is a revelation scripture. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Are we getting the picture? There's one, and we need to keep the unity because there's one church, and we're part of one church baptized into one body. We're here to keep the unity, to walk in lowliness, walk in meekness, to walk in long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We have been given a measurement of grace. Now this leads us to an important question. Who in our life can we find as a field? You know a farmer has to have ground to sow in, right? Who in your life can you show mercy to today? Who in your life can you show mercy to today that has wronged you? That has done something that has frustrated you, aggravated you, upset you, set you on edge, if you will, but yet you can today show mercy. You know, I believe, saint of God, this is one of the key factors in David being the man after God's own heart. He had tapped into something that made him more like God 
in his attitude of living, his desire to do what the Scripture hath said. Think about this. Saul was chasing him around the world, the, their world anyway, trying to kill him to take his life. As he walks into a cave, he gets into the backward back part of the cave. Saul comes into the front and goes to sleep, and all of David's men are saying, kill him. And David was so calm in the storm, he did not try to calm the storm for himself. He could have went out there and taken the head of Saul, but his mindset was, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed is backslidden. The Lord's anointing is out of the will of God. The Lord's anointed, anointed one is now tormented by a spirit trying to kill the next king, but yet that next king said, I will not do the Lord's job. He steps into the realm of mercy. If you'll remember the story, he cut a piece of the garment of Saul off right a piece of his garment just to let him know hey I could have and you know what his heart he was so tender amen he was so tender that he felt bad about cutting that piece of garment off I shouldn't have done that I shouldn't have. could we get to that place back where God just sent conviction I pray for my own life God sent strong conviction to me I pray for you, God, send strong conviction to this church. Help us be sensitive enough that whenever we do just a little bit outside the keeping of your will, that we feel this, that we desire to run back to you in repentance and say, God, forgive me. I should not have acted like that. I should not have said that. Did I hear the news correctly this week that someone shot inside a drive through window at McDonald's because their food was wrong? I had a friend of mine tell me that he went through Wendy's part, Wendy's drive-thru in, in Middlesbrough. And he said, I told them I do not want, I don't remember if it was onions or what it was on his burger. He said, I told them I do not want onions. He said, I pulled up. He said, I told him, I do not want onions. He said, as soon as I got my burger, I opened it up. I saw it had onions. He said, I threw it all the way back through the window. Now, here's the deal. That person working the window probably didn't make the burger. That person that handed it out the window probably didn't even take the order to know what the order was supposed to be. They're just simply handing you, not you, him. Who can I find to show mercy on today? Because really this is showing where we've calmed ourselves. Amen? That we're comfortable. That we're comfortable in God. That we're comfortable in the storm. That we're comfortable in our situation. We're frustrated. We're hurting. We're going through ordeals that we don't like. But yet we're able to stand into that place and say, I'm going to show you mercy. I tell you right now, tonight I've been in a place I, I, it's, that's all I would have asked for. Somebody show me mercy. I've, I've, I've wronged people, I've done dumb stuff, I've done things in my own life that, man, all I, I don't want you to give me $100, I don't want you to give me $1,000. If you'll just give me mercy, I'm good. But I've got to find a field 
I've got to find somewhere I can sow this mercy. I've got to find somebody that I can pour this mercy out on. I need to find somebody. I need to look for somebody that I can show this mercy to because I've been given this measurement of grace. I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 12. Now this was written, the scripture we're using is out of Hosea chapter 6 verse 6, but I want you to notice all the way into the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. You're doing a fine job up there, sir. Thank you. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. Now, isn't that a no-no? Brother Bailey, that's a bad deal. He shouldn't have been doing that. Don't go out in the cornfield on the Sabbath. And he's about to get another rebuking. He got a lot of rebukings while he was here on earth. And his disciples were hungered. Began to pluck ears of corn to eat. And here comes the Pharisees. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, the disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Verse 3, But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungered? And they that were with him, verse 4, And he entered into the house of God, did eat the shewbread, which was not lawful for him to eat. Hard to argue with somebody with perfect memory, isn't it? <laughs> That's kind of like the guy that said, would you talk to my wife? Every time I, t every time I argue with her, she gets historical. And th they said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She can remember everything. It's hard to argue with somebody that's got perfect memory. Jesus said, do you not remember how he entered into the house of God, did eat the shewbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profaned profane the Sabbath and are blameless. God didn't cast judgment on David. God didn't cast judgment on the priest. Now notice verse 6. I say unto you that in this place, he's about to give them a revelation, is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Because this is what I want, is mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned them guiltless. Their untry or their, their guilt... They're guilt-free, they're guiltless, but yet you've condemned them. You would not have condemned them. Go with me now to Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 through 13. 
And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came, sat down with him and his disciples. Verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go you and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This scripture he pulled out of the book of Hosea, and he used it on two different occasions where people were trying to condemn Somebody trying to cast judgment and he's saying, I would have mercy and not sacrifice. You're trying to sacrifice this person. I'd rather you show mercy to this person. Can we get the heartbeat of God in here? I believe we can grow this church through mercy, through prayer, through living for God, through witnessing and being a light, going out and compelling them to come in. But when they walk through these doors, they need to find the same mercy we found at an altar. They need to find somebody that's got their eyes closed to the things of the world, but yet they are moving and ministering to them in mercy and in grace. So Jesus was picking ears of corn on the Sabbath, and they rebuked him. He was associating and fellowshipping and eating with sinners, and they rebuked him. And in both of these crucial junctures, he goes back to Hosea, and he said, what I was wanting was mercy and not sacrifice. Show mercy. Let me give you, as we close tonight, let me give you a little list This is what I want to get out of my heart. This is what I want to get out of my life. When you see me on a Monday or you see me on a Sunday, I want to be that same guy. When things are going right and things are going wrong, I still want to be that same guy. I want to be that same person. I don't want to be a roller coaster where you don't know how to come and address me. You don't know if I'm going to bite your head off, as they say, or if I'm going to be nice and kind. I want to be that same person. So here's, here's a small list of things I need to get out of my heart. Animosity and malice. I need to rid that out of my heart through prayer, through fasting, whatever it takes. Resentment and bitterness. I need to get that out of my heart. I don't need that in my life. I don't need resentment. I don't need bitterness. I need to let things go. I need to walk away from yesterday. I need to walk into a brand new year in a few weeks and be rid of any resentment and bitterness. Gossip and backbiting, I need that out of my life. I don't need to be doing this. I don't need to be thinking about this. I don't need to be casting judgment through gossip and backbiting. Unforgiveness and revenge. I need that out of my life. I don't need it in my life. I can't go forward in my relationship with God and Him forgive me if I'm not forgiven, if I'm not showing forgiveness. I need a feel so I can show mercy and so I can sow this forgiveness and I can sow this mercy into somebody's life. Harshness and judgmental attitude. I don't need that in my life. I don't need Jesus to treat me like that. The psalmist said, don't bring me to a court of judgment. And after I read that scripture, Brother Bailey, you know how many times I've prayed that before God? 
God, don't bring me to a court of judgment. God, I need your face to shine on me. I need your mercy in my life. Don't bring me to a court of judgment and find me guilty. Grudges. I need to let it go. Jealousy and envy. I need to let it go. Emulation. Competition. All this. Strife. Fighting. Arguing. Bickering. Complaining. I need to let that go. I need to just get that out of my life and say, God, help me. As I walk into a brand new year in a few weeks, God, let me rid myself of anything that's not like you. Now, here's what I'm wanting God to to help me with. I want him to infuse his spirit in me to the point that I can take on his nature, and I need to pick up love and compassion. I need to pick up and and adapt for my own self mercy and forgiveness. I need need to begin to show love to every person that I can possibly show love toward. I need humility and patience, generosity and willingness to just simply let things go and say, I want to show you mercy. I was pulling out on the highway one day and I did something that I shouldn't have done. I looked I was stopped, I was waiting, and I saw a tractor and trailer in in the slow lane, and he was going relatively slow, and I knew I could get into the fast lane and never hinder him. That's a big deal with me. I do not want to slow anybody's progress. I like to be out of their way. If if I have to speed up to 80 mile an hour to get out of their way, I'll do it to get out of their way because I don't, I don't want to impede somebody's forward progress. They may need to be going somewhere, so I'm getting out of their way. But I knew I could get in the other lane and not hinder him. So I gassed it, went all the way to the fast lane, and when I did, there was a car on the hip of that tractor and trailer. And you're talking about slowing somebody's progress down. He almost hit me. It had been every bit my fault. And I got out of his way, and he pulled up, and I went, I, in other words, I'm sorry. I apologize. I did not mean to do that. I did not see you. But I need, I, when people do me that way, I need to let it go. I need to let it go. I need to be apostolic. I need to be apostolic in everything I do. Stand with me tonight. Church, we're going to grow. We're going to go forward. Uh, We're going to see people baptized in Jesus' name. We're going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost this coming year. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have some, some just absolutely fantastic time together in service. But there's some things that I need to adapt. There's some things I need to take on. There's some things I need in my life. And I need God's help with it. So I, I'm, I'm hoping in Jesus' name that as I study and prepare my own heart, I can relay some to you and maybe you're light years ahead of me and already there and all that. But uh, chances are somebody in the church uh, may, need, may need to know that God's, God's okay in your storm. And if you will allow him, he'll grow you to where maybe, maybe none of us go to panic mode right away but that we will be okay with some thundering. We'll be okay with some, some storms and lightning. And we'll say, it's all right. God's got this. God's taking care of this. Amen.
I know you all want to grow, and that excites me. Why don't we pray tonight and ask God's help that as we need His mercy, God, in Jesus' name, help me show that same mercy. God, help me show that same mercy, that same grace, that same kindness, that measure of grace that you've given to me. Let me share that with somebody else. Amen. Let's pray tonight. You can pray at your seat. You can pray at the altar. You can pray bowed. You can pray standing. But let's pray tonight. Let's seek God for a moment, a few minutes. Ask God's grace to just abound in this place tonight. His mercy just abound in this sanctuary tonight. How wonderful it is to be at the house of the Lord. How wonderful it is to be in the presence of God. I love you tonight, Jesus. Father, I'm so thankful for your grace that is sufficient. Your mercy is new to me every morning. You show kindness and long-suffering and gentleness with me every day. God, when I'm broke down, you help me up. When I'm walking in the wrong direction, you give me the direction you want me to go, and you dust me off, and you help me. You're there for me, Lord God, in my weakness to be strong. You're there for me when I'm confused to be soundness of mind. God, you're everything I need you to be. Help me to be that to the people around me. God, help me to adapt what your will is for my life. Allow me, Lord God, allow me in the name of Jesus Christ to hear your voice daily that you lead me in the path of righteousness. David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God, let us dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Help us tonight, Lord God, as we strive for excellence, as we strive for perfection, as we strive to do what you will for us to do. I'm asking in the name of Jesus, God, birth within us, birth within us, Lord God, mercy and grace that we're extending it daily, Lord God, to the people around us. I do love you today, and I honor you today, and I exalt you today, and I magnify you. Let's pray together tonight, saint of God, in Jesus' name.